Welcome everyone to the Iron Fist podcast by Fantastic Geek. We are the official, unofficial voice of the Marvel Cinematic Community. My name is Matt, and joining me as always is Pete. Hello, Pete. Is this where I say the L word? The Iron Fist podcast by Fantastic Geek for episode 205, Heart of the Dragon, is brought to you by Bethany's Urgent Care Clinic. Next time your friend gets messed up, don't call her. So nice that they had a nurse on call back in the MCU Netflix verse. But Pete, I digress. Oh, you just busted Bethany. She is not a nurse. She is an anesthesiologist. Pardon me. How about this? A medical professional. Um, but Pete, here we are. We have watched half the season. At least I have. I know you've seen in the whole thing multiple times, etc. <laughs> here we are, Pete. We're about a half hour away from having podcasted the first half of the season. How these seasons do fly, even at the uh, even at the slightly order, slightly shorter order mark. I have to say, it, it's gone rather quickly. Definitely enjoying this a little bit more than the original uh, season. And uh, looking forward to bringing it all to you. I just have to mention, Pete, before we dive on in, we are one, two and a half weeks away from New York Comic Con. Looking forward to seeing some pals there. Obviously, no Iron Fist panel, what with Iron Fist already being out, but definitely the uh, Marvel Netflix Daredevil panel there and a whole bunch of other stuff. Looking to hang with some old friends, looking to hang with some new friends. So if you're going to be at New York Comic Con, let us know. We'd love to meet up. Send you a, send, send a button your way, a sticker or something like that. Absolutely. Looking forward to seeing everybody. Looking forward to bringing you Daredevil and Runaways and Star Trek Discovery and all the other goodies in between that we can fit in and getting you some goodies as well. So pay attention for some freebies. Time to step inside the dojo and deconstruct this episode. A glowing red fist bursts through bricks, wielded by a hooded figure that is revealed to be Davos. In a flashback, he plays a stupid game of tic-tac-toe with young Daniel Rankai of Rankai Industries. Davos explains the Iron Fist doesn't just protect the gates to Kunlun, but kills all their enemies, something young Danny doesn't think he could do. Davos is going to kill them all one day, but never Danny because they're brothers. Davos's mother comes in and proceeds to both brow and physically beat Davos with bamboo to toughen his weakness. An iron fish, she says, cannot have family or friends. Back in the present, Davos laments his mother is not alive to see him as an iron fist gunshots erupt as uh, a number of golden tigers corner an old man for protection money davos kills them and tells the man he's come to protect him when the immortal iron fist is pointed to a club on ditmus and 17th misty and colleen are trying to figure out how to find danny and how Mary factors in. Misty, who's taking a few days off to figure out if she wants to accept a promotion to captain, takes the surveillance photos and Mary's artwork for fingerprints, 
which is going to take 24 hours, even with favors. Colleen thinks she has someone who can get it done faster. Walker plops an unconscious Danny down on a bench by the river, takes a video of his wound and injects him with adrenaline before ghosting. She then meets with Joy and wants her to watch the video, but Joy is hesitant. That doesn't work for Walker, who wants to erase it and get paid. Joy grudgingly watches the gruesomeness she bargained for. Joy will text Walker, who demands secrecy when payment is ready. Walker warns Joy about Davos, who she perceives as dangerous. Ward meets Colleen and Misty on the street. Ward is taken with Misty and her Maserati with fingers. Colleen explains Danny's missing and they need Ward's help. He'll put Rand corporate security on it. Misty compliments Colleen on her investigative instincts. Danny stumbles across Rhino's squad, which intends to offer him up to the Tigers for cash. We find Davos all up in the club spilling tiger blood. After he uses the fist to KO Mr. Ho, a one-eyed tiger offers to tell Davos where all the triads live. Davos wants the whereabouts of all criminals. Just then, Joy texts Davos to come by. Davos tells the tiger to meet him in two hours at the Greenpoint Pier with a list. If he doesn't show, his name will go at the top of it. In a flashback, Davos's mother, Priya, wakes her son after his shameful defeat for the right to face Shao Lao by bringing him medicine. She tells him his father couldn't come because he has iron fist things. As she dabs his wounds, she doesn't want to hear his excuses. She wishes she never had him for losing to an outsider. She thought she raised a champion. After she leaves, Davos vows to make her proud. Chained in Rhino's squad's squatter's den, Danny offers them money, but they don't believe he's wealthy. Danny tries to use his fist to break his chains, but it doesn't work. Colleen and Misty kibitz before they overhear a call to the club for a code 616. <gasps> Possible suspect with abilities. BB doesn't think Danny's going to make it, and he asks him to find Colleen as he's coughing up blood. Davos awaits Joy in her apartment. Now that their business is concluded, she wants to be sure they cover their tracks and gets her key back. Davos has only just begun, but Joy doesn't want to be involved as she's building something on her own. After Davos leaves, Joy makes a call about the cash. In flashback, a contrite Davos calls upon his mother, who doesn't answer her door, to tell her he's leaving Kunlun to bring Danny back. He acknowledges her sacrifice for him. She comes to the door and listens, clearly conflicted, but does not speak. At the club crime scene, Misty passes Colleen off as her criminal informant. The forensic detective explains Mr. Ho is no mo, 
because blunt force trauma shattered his spine and caved the back of his head in. Some <clears throat> escorts reported a glowing red hand. Only in New York, right? Colleen knows it wasn't Danny, and Colleen gets a call. Rhino finds out the tigers ain't gonna bite because they've been bitten. Mr. Ho got murked with no replacement. Danny overhears, and BB suggests they let him go. Rhino will let Danny go for $500, but Daniel Rand of Rand Enterprises is not an ATM. He doesn't have the cash. They're about to cut off the finger on his right hand when Colleen and Misty arrive and rescue him. Danny explains Mary took him to Davos, who did a ceremony on him, and now the fist is gone. Danny has lost a lot of blood, but doesn't want to go to the hospital. They contemplate Claire. Instead, he asks them to call Ward for a Rand doctor. Ward brings Bethany, an anesthesiologist, to Colleen's apartment. Danny needs a hospital, but Ward explains they have to keep him out of the spotlight. She stops the bleeding by stapling the wound. Ward apologizes for calling her. He tells Misty Mary's fingerprints were in a military database. Special ops. Redacted. Medical discharge to go freelance. Ward's worried for Joy with Davos. Colleen and Misty go to Joy while Ward stays with Danny. Joy gives Walker the cash, but she's concerned now about Davos. Walker tells her to take a vacation, but Joy can't run because of what she's building. Walker will run protection, but it's a band-aid. She must eliminate the threat. Danny and Ward have a heart-to-heart. Danny feels like his connection to the fist went dark. It wasn't a part of him. It was him. He was burning up Chi. He was improving with the fist, but chasing the dragon, Shao Lao. He welcomed his power and anger. All this resonates with Ward in the midst of his recovery in N.A., A.A., all the A's. As Joy hems and haws, Walker says she's headed out of town soon. Misty and Colleen knock on the door, and Joy denies having someone else in her apartment. Misty enters the apartment, and Walker bests her. Colleen fights a machete-wielding Walker before Misty comes to and gets the drop on her. Ward talks about why he's pursuing sobriety so Joy will forgive him, but admits he's stuck on step four, fearless and searching moral inventory from the guy who murdered his father twice. Danny relives his mother's death for the first time this season. He carried his her words uh, of love with him to Kunlun and the home again. When Walker and Davos hurt him, Danny didn't think he'd ever get to tell the important people in his life, like Ward, he loved them ever again. Danny counsels Ward to make peace with people before it's too late. Just then, Colleen and Misty bring Walker and Joy to the apartment. 
Colleen spills the beans that Joy was also working with Davos. Joy confesses to all of it, but tells them Davos isn't done yet. Sparring partners, let's look at who Danny faced off against in this episode. Pete, indirectly, he, of course, faced off with Davos at the top of the episode. Davos out there kicking butt while Danny was infirm. Davos not just kicking butt, Davos taking lives, many, many lives of just lower-level ne'er-do-wells, looking to extort a guy for protection money, certainly not requiring getting smushed nonstop by the fury of the Red Iron Fist. As long as we have known Davos in, like... Uh, this five episodes and the two or three that he appeared in the end of season one, he's always pretty much been one note. Give me that iron fist. I should have had the iron fist. I want the iron fist. Now he's got the iron fist and it's all about killing bad guys. His warped sense of what he is now is this protector this uh, assassin of bad guys, but seeing it through the flashback, I have to wonder how much of it is him and how much of it is the nurture he received at the hands of his mother in Priya. Well, and you mentioned Priya. She uh, certainly villainous in her own right. I think it's a little difficult in our modern age to square the uh, to square the use of uh, bamboo. Uh, I don't know, slashing isn't exactly the right word, although it's darn close enough, uh, the, the bamboo slashing across the knuckles in order to toughen him up. And Pete, it's not just the physical, and it's not just Davos. Davos's mom broke my heart at the end when she wouldn't come to the door. Uh, this was a scene that was wonderfully, wonderfully shot by director yeah. Marzi Almas. Uh, somebody who, by the way, Pete, just to tie back to our discussion last week about all the diversity, uh, Marzi Almas was uh, somebody who was a first or assistant, uh, first or second assistant director for the first 15 years of her career. Gee whiz, I wonder what took so long for the lady to break through. And when she did, she has directed like mad. And in fact, Pete, for 2018, nine director credits. Wow. So, you know, more Iron Marvel uh, there or just this one? Uh, Pete, we saw her work just this past winter slash spring. She directed the Jessica Jones uh, episode, aka Soul Survivor. Nice. Um, she's done in the last, uh, in the, literally in 2018. She's also done Arrow and Supergirl, along with some other uh, stuff. Two Outlanders as well, Pete. I know what a big Outlander fan you are. Outlander. Um, so I mean, I, I just I, I hope this isn't shoehorned in, but again, just. You know, you're helping supporting diversity, even if it's not, you know, uh, Asian Danny Rand or whatever. I mean, my goodness, this lady who her career has exploded when they finally let her direct an episode of TV and and, and whatnot. And I think on display well here, oh, particularly absolutely. when we see Davos's mom breaking all our collective hearts. Well, I'll take you even further by the end of this episode where we have a scene in which Colleen Misty. Uh, Mary and uh, Joy all enter the apartment in a complete power shift, Matt. 
here you got the boys talking about their feelings and love and you have girls who are either killing people or getting <laughs> things done coming on to the scene to like move things forward. So if those four women, okay, in Jessica Hennick, all right, um, Alice Eve, Jessica Stroop, and Simone Missick uh, come on to the scene there and just completely soak up the scene. Uh, yeah, it, it's completely apparent who's in charge. You mentioned Mary before. She also well-deserving being on this villain's list. I have to say, you know, though though I had brought up some discussion in prior episodes as to, you know, is the are the two aspects of her personality differentiated enough by the performance, so on and so forth. You know, she comes across as so steely tough and just so ready to go that I think the error increasingly appears to have been mine, where it was just like not differentiating between those two sides because wow, she is a, she's a scary tough lady. Yeah. And the way that Alice Eve is playing her, that sardonic monotone delivery. And at the same time, there's, there's some heart there. And then there's the, the cold calculation, you know, taking the, the picture of, Danny's wound going and, uh, you know, showing it to joy. Now, now I got to erase it. Now you got to give me the cash. Oh, and by the way, yeah, watch out for this Davos because, uh, you should be scared of him, but I'll run protection for you until I got to get the heck out of town. I mean, this is a character unlike we have seen, uh, in Marvel TV to date. And I'll add to that. I'm reminded of hearing uh, Kristen Ritter speak at uh, at the uh, Jessica Jones panel on International Women's Day uh, at the Paley Center in New York City, where she talked about finding Jessica's voice and how she kind of would push it down here. And that was the weight of the world. And that was a, a reminder of everything. Counterintuitively, Alice Eve takes Walker's voice and still kind of keeps it up at the higher register, um, which... It's just interesting because it keeps kind of throwing me for a loop a little bit just in terms of, I don't know if it's some kind of ingrained gender expectation or if it's just a performance thing that doesn't always mesh with me, but I'm not complaining. It's just this interesting reminder that there's somebody who is, you know, the, the walker side of her when at rest is not this berserker killing machine. It's not, you know, Jessica Jones's mother. It's not the Hulk. It's not that kind of thing she's ready, willing and able to go out and spill blood and, you know, do the, do the freelance deed. But she's kind of like a good lady in there who just know, has a, has a bad skill set. Yeah. It really is a dichotomy when you look at it. Um, but here's the thing. We, we gave him a little bit of a hard time because of the teased out nature, albeit in only 10 episodes compared to the 13 that we've had with Marvel Netflix before at getting to Walker. And now it feels like forever since we've had the Mary identity in there. And, and I, I want to see, I want to see that interplay. Um, I, I want to see how that works uh, with the character. Hey, back half tons of potential there. And then lastly, Matt, we've got Ho of the Golden Tigers here who uh, is taken out, dispatched by Davos. 
uh, and dispatched in rather spectacular fashion too. Not just the old punch, but the punch into the the big giant was it metal door or metal metal wall? I don't quite remember. It's a but, wall, yeah. Uh, a, a good practical stunt as well. You know, I doubt it was the actor, probably a stunt guy that hit the wall, but certainly a good moment. Then you get the exposition as they lift the sheet. Of course, they're not going to show you every you know pulverized. Uh, rib and whatnot but just them kind of discussing oh boy he's a mess and whatnot that really sells his death and uh and it's a it's a it's a solid moment pete well matt solidly preventing our deaths or the death of our podcast are the good people of patreon.com slash fantastic geek with the ph all one word they let this podcast continue to fly, continue to soar, make it possible. Pete, just today I was listening to a professional podcast made officially by people who are part of uh, a network show and owned by a cable company that owns the network, et cetera, et cetera. Pete, they could not handle having their interviewee uh skype with them they needed to do it over the phone and i was like are you kidding me we do this on fantastic geek every time and that's all made possible by those patrons that that help keep things afloat the techity this and the techity that and the couple of bucks here and the couple of bucks there hashtag it all pays off and hashtag it's all connected we are heading into our busiest time of the year the tv schedule already here giving you uh, Iron Fist. We've already recorded and released our uh, God Friended Me pilot podcast. You can now get your ears onto that. We'll be bringing you those each week when those episodes air. Uh, we're going to be bringing you New York Comic Con, which is always an extensive event for us. We'll get a whole bunch of episodes for a whole bunch of our feeds there. Like I mentioned before, whether it's Daredevil, whether it is Runaways, whether it's Star Trek Discovery. And yeah, the hits keep on coming. So uh, our contributors there, you are making that happen. Does not happen without you. So big thank you. Everybody who contributes, regardless of the amount, gets exclusive podcast content. And then there's all sorts of levels from there. So thank you again. Time to focus our chi and look inside this episode. Pete, contrite Ward, making some jokes about the N.A., the A.A., all the A's. My first reaction was, there's Ward being... Uh, you know, a, a, a twerp again, but maybe Pete, a little humor there. He's being honest with himself. Has Ward turned a corner when it comes to his substance abuse problems? I, with his substance abuse problems, I think greatly, perhaps. Um, does he replace that with another problem? It seems the nature of the character. I want so badly because I like Tom Pelfrey and he's a Jersey Shore guy which never hurts you. And my um, sister-in-law graduated high school with his brother. This is true. Okay. Uh, I, I want to buy it. Um, but there just continues to remain something slippery about this character. He's continually screwing up in Bethany's eyes as a, as a sponsor. Now as whatever they are, we still don't know boyfriend, girlfriend or, or whatever's happening here and, and here bringing her in, in the episode uh, you know, hush, hush to, to help Danny. 
Well, um, I, just to, to be fair, Pete, I just want to point out, he is screwing up a little bit less with her. More recently, they've been horizontal. <laughs> I mean, there's a lot we haven't seen. Um, I, I'll leave it at that. Matt, my question for you, just what is Davos doing? I think Davos is... It's funny when you when you put it out loud, it sounds better than maybe they're presenting it. I think Davos is taking this very um, kind of literal Old Testament, if you will, or kind of vengeful, you know, the vengeful God kind of view of punishing the wicked, and he has no compunction about about killing people, killing lots and lots of people. And I stand by my statement earlier that. You know, I certainly don't want to live in a community where there's protection money and guys getting beat up at the docks and whatnot. But in the grand scheme of things, are those the worst villains that we've ever seen in any Marvel thing or in in any world? No, of course not. It's kind of in my mind, it's kind of like mid-level, you know, nonsense that, you know, let's get the police in there to break it up or whatever. They do not deserve to be creamed with that iron fist. And his response is out sized compared to the uh compared to the ill and it's by that that we continue to define him as uh, as a baddie well i mean whatever mission he's on if he even thinks he can kill all the bad guys i mean it, it seems extreme apart from the fact that he lives in a world where there are avengers and defenders etc cetera, etc cetera. how about misty matt Thinking over this promotion to captain, are we catching her between Luke Cage season two and now? Or did this episode take place while uh, season two of Luke Cage was happening? Well, I must confess, when I heard that line, my ears did prick up because I was a little fuzzy on the Luke Cage chronology exactly. I know that there was that, you know, there was the whole certainly the whole lengthy episode and a half where she turned in her badge and turned in her gun and was no longer a cop. Uh, and then of course she was again. Um, I kind of read this as after Luke Cage season two. And I think that that would fit with kind of the general Marvel chronology of when you see a thing is when in the MCU timeline, it came out with the possible exception of homecoming. Let's see after Avengers four, but I digress. Um, but I am kind of, I am interested at the notion that maybe there's this timeline crisscross here. And I think the best source would be if we just look out as these final five episodes go, do we get any more evidence or crisscross or, you know, as Danny's getting patched up as he turn on the news and, you know, today, uh, you know, uh, Mariah Dillard opened the community center and there were heads on pikes, you know, that kind of thing. That would be so fun. I wish they did more of that. I don't know why they don't. We talked about Davos and what he's doing. What is Joy building, making, etc.? We had the one scene with uh, Sophia Rios talk of this solar cell, uh, the gift in the previous episode by Ward to her of this uh, company, uh, but still nothing definitive. Um, is it vaporware, Matt? <laughs> Let's hope it's not vaporware. Uh, let's hope it's not wear for vaping. Narratively, 
I mean, we've gotten the couple of details that you mentioned, but narratively, it's very, very threadbare in terms of where are things headed. I feel like at this midpoint of the season, we truly are 50-50. Is this going to be a, um, a MacGuffin of sorts just to keep her in the the forefront of the, the overall story arc? Uh, or is this kind of a season two? Uh, I don't know, season two, pardon me. Is this a second half of this season? Uh, thing where it's revealed she's working on the super suit or she's this or she's that i would prefer the latter but it does occur to me pete what was our no well i guess there were many number one criticisms for season one of iron fist but one of them was all this time spent at the tippity top of rand you know the rand headquarters with kind of you know boardroom stuff what have they done they've kept uh ward they've kept joy what have they done they've taken them out of rand headquarters so this just might be a bit of business for her to work on while other portions of the story are intersecting her life danny tells ward what happened and it goes this way that davos got the drop on him that he wasn't thinking on his level um can we like just be truthful and uh, confront the fact that no Davos didn't Davos was waiting back at the tattoo parlor with the crane sisters while Mary did and brought him to Davos. He calls it a strategy that he was one step ahead, but can we call this what this is? This was a badass woman that, beat up the iron fist, incapacitated him and brought him to the guy that needed the magic inside his abdomen. Two thoughts. One is maybe it's very smartly written from Danny's point of view where he doesn't want to admit it. And it's some kind of meta commentary there. Another thought is, well, I guess the third option is maybe it's just a poorly written moment, but, um, another option could be maybe they went back and reshot that fight that resulted uh with danny you know losing his powers and helping charge up davos and all that that could be that could be a reshoot and then this could just be a line that was not caught i certainly don't know for sure let's listen to some messages from the mystical city of kunlun Pete Kunlun might be gone, but still that mailbag floweth over. Let, why don't we start with something from Mary? Yes, Mary Kirk, longtime friend of the podcast here, writes in first before starting episode four, going in on the podcast for episode one and two of Iron Fist. Little shortly after that, after watching episode three, but before episode four, I'm pretty sure Mrs. Yang was really running things all along and her husband had to check with her before making any moves. I replied, Matt, Marvel TV needs more Mrs. Yang's. And Mary said, they really do. Absolutely. I really like that. I mean, kudos to the actress playing mrs yang because there really really is a sense of easy authority as she steps into uh into her husband's you know ill-gotten business another message here matt from also a longtime uh fantastic geek friend and that's robert t frost 
Hello, Matt and Pete. Iron Fist 201. I thought that Mr. Yang was the leader of the Hatchets, not the Golden Tigers. We'll circle back to that in a little bit. As for the show going from 13 episodes down to 10, I'm hoping for the best of both worlds. I'm sure it's a business decision with uh, the Netflix executives hedging their bets over the mediocre fare that Scott Buck left in his wake. But hopefully it will also be like a reduction in cooking with less liquid, the more intense the flavor in our 10 episodes. I did not, I'm sorry, I did no research for the new season, so I didn't know that Mary is typhoid Mary. However, I did think uh, she just dealing with multiple personalities. Either way, I'm really looking forward to what her character will bring. Time for episode 202, Your Friend Bob. And my question for him was, did we erroneously credit Mrs. Yang as the Tiger's uh, leader? Um, and he wrote back, uh, I think I may have been a little too quick to rush to a judgment. Matt said the Golden Tigers their axes and the pointy ends of those axes. However, that's the only intermix in the descriptions of the two gangs. So the podcast is on the mark, steady as she goes. On the plus side, it got me to rewatch the episode and re-listen to the podcast. As an aside, I saw on the rewatch, um, were the garbage collectors on strike during filming? Why is so much garbage piled up along the streets of Chinatown? Uh, that didn't make me feel that Chinatown was more dangerous, just really dirty. Uh, that's a really interesting question. A couple of thoughts come to mind there. I can tell you, Pete, I am not aware of a garbage collection strike in New York last November to may which is when they filmed this are you with that without specifically researching it neither am i i lived through a garbage strike um when i went to graduate school in new york city in uh 1997 98 i don't remember where exactly on the calendar it fell but i can tell you that i had to pac-man my way across streets um, there were piles of garbage. I'm five foot four inches and there were garbage piles as tall as I was, um, attempting to move around and it was disgusting. It only happened for about a week to 10 days, but it was the stinkiest, strangest week to 10 days I spent in the city. I have to wonder if, I mean, it could be one of two things. One is maybe it was just like garbage day or the next day was going to yeah. be garbage day. And it's, it's not impossible to all, you know, that that was just the 12 hour period that was put out, that kind of thing. Uh, another is, and this is maybe a little less glamorous, but maybe like, maybe there was stuff in the shot, stuff that they knew they didn't want in the shot, whatever it might be. So maybe that was just prop garbage. I don't know. I'd have to go back and look to see how much there was. Um, but that's not, that's not impossible. You know, Oh, we have to cover up the such and such. All right. Well, get the props department to make 300 bags of garbage bags filled with, you know, foam peanuts or whatever. I mean, that's not, that's not that tough. Well, thank you, Robert T. Frost, as usual. Uh, your message is never garbage. 
And indeed, Pete, we love hearing from our listeners. How can people be in touch with you? Well, first off, uh, you can be in touch with both of us if you get yourself over to iTunes and leave us a review on the Iron Fist podcast by Fantastic Geek or any of the 14 other podcast feeds uh, that we operate. All are welcome. But if you want to get in touch with just me, get yourself over to Twitter at Peter, P-I-E-T-E-R-J-K-E-T-E-L-A-A-R. K-E-T-E-L-A-A-R. 9,975 followers. Can't be wrong. And while I'm personally on Twitter as Looking Back Lost, do be in touch with the podcast. Comment on FantasticGeek.com. Check us out on Twitter, Instagram, and Gmail, where we are Fantastic Geek as well. But wait, Pete, there's more. Facebook.com slash Fantastic Geek with the PH, all one word, like it today. Well, Pete, we will be back next week to talk more Iron Fist. Cannot believe we're about to crack open the second half of the season, but uh, that's how it goes, especially with the uh, with the ten episode cycle that there is. So, with that, I will say adios to all our listeners and give you the final word. You know what? You almost crossed the line there. <laughs>